You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast. And Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General. Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, hope you had a great weekend. Welcome into the latest episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. The preseason is done, it's in the books. The Texans undefeated at 3-0 in the preseason for the first time since 2016. The only time, uh, other time that they've been undefeated in the preseason. So uh, there were wins. We'll see if there's more wins in the regular season to come. But welcome into the Utopia Football Podcast. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast Mornings on Sports Radio 610, joined by, as always, the Hall of Famer, the General, and my good friend, John McClain. John, how are you? I'm doing great. I can be heard three times a week on Sports Radio 610 and two times a week on Texans Radio. There you go. That's right. John, a colleague at Sports Radio 610 as well. Um, John, we're going to get into um, guys that we think are going to make this team, guys we think are going to get cut from this team, bubble guys, in just a minute. Um, the cuts are going to be coming fast and furious here over the next couple of days. Uh, three o'clock on Tuesday is the deadline for cuts. So who knows? By the time people are listening to this podcast, some of these cuts may have come out already. So we're going to be held accountable uh, early and often here. Um, but but uh, we're also going to talk about things that happen in the preseason with the Texans that may translate to the regular season. But overall, obviously, they just finished 3-0, and so you feel good about them winning football games. But what, generally speaking, before we get into specific names, what are your overall feelings on this Texans football team with training camp and the preseason games under their belt? That the running game should be better because it can't be any worse. And they've put a lot into improving the running game by adding players like Kenyon Green, left guard, and the star of preseason Damian Pierce and AJ can the veterans. So I think the running game is going to be a whole lot better. Yeah, I do. I do too. Hey, by the way, John, I was at the uh, Texans season premiere event on Saturday night, sort of their preseason season ticket holder event. You'll like this. Cause I know you're a big Damian Pierce guy. Damian Pierce was the first player to show up. He, he showed up at least 10 minutes earlier than any other player that I saw there. He was the very first one to get there kind of stood off to the side, not even like looking and thumbing through his phone. He was like saying hi to people and just kind of hanging out. So um, 
that says a lot to me, John. Young guy, first one to show up by far. Uh, that's it's it's the little things with Damian Pierce, but that made me like him even more than I already like him. And trust me, I like him a lot. Another reason for people to like and respect a guy who could be a candidate to be NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yep, absolutely. Uh, 22 to 1, I think you can get him at right now if you want to uh, throw a saw buck down on that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, John, so let's do four stock up and four stock down. Usually when we're doing this, it's on the heels of a game where we're going through uh, guys that played well or position groups that played well and vice versa, the uh, poorly playing people and uh, and position groups. I think it's appropriate now just to look at this through the prism of, okay, guys that are going to make this team who've made impressions that, that, that are favorable or guys who their time may have run out as a Houston Texan. Let's start off with the four stock up. John, who is a guy who's a bubble guy for you that you think should and or will make this football team? Well, I don't think he's on the bubble. If you go back to the start of training camp, nobody thought anything about Kurt Heine's big Heine. And now he's going to make the team. And uh, no way he's going on the practice squad and them exposing him to waivers because he was too good. In that last game against the 49ers, who played their starters for a while. He had a sack, three tackles for loss. So big Heine has made this team. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. And he was, you know, as you know, I watched every snap of his college career, go Irish, um, with uh, with Kurt Heinisch. He was a guy who made plays in college. I, I think it, he's a lesson in don't judge a book by its cover. You know what I mean? Like you look at him, you look at him walk across the practice field before practicing. Okay, I don't, I, you know, he looks like somebody they hired as a character to play a football player in a movie or something like that. Just a big, heavy dude. Um, but there's something... There's something to him. John, I'm anxious to see what Kurt Heinisch comes back next year looking like. You know what I mean? Like, if he comes back, like, I almost don't want him to look like he's been in an NFL weight room for a year when he comes back next year. I want him to remain a, a, a chunky barroom brawler because it seems to be working for him, John. They list him at 6'2", 300, but that's what they had in Notre Dame. The Texans never update their weights, which I think is preposterous because – People want to know guys work their tail off in the off season and they gain 10 pounds of, of, of strength. You know, I'd want people to know it. Or if you lose weight, if you're heavy and who knows a big guy and he's really 300, he could be more, but that guy, the best thing I could say about him is he's a brawler Yeah, and they need that on offensive interior and they need that on defensive interior as well. Yep, I would agree with that. And John, I like your commitment to the nickname Big Heine. You, you, you saying that you don't? I don't even I think I've heard you refer to him as Kurt Heinish. You refer to him as Big Heine every time. So I, as the as the uh, the author of that nickname myself, I appreciate uh, appreciate you supporting the brand, the Big Heine brand. Now, did um, you my, talk to him about that nickname? I did not, John. No, I didn't bring up Big Heine. I don't. I don't feel like I know him well enough yet to tell him that we've been calling him Big Heine. But he was um, he was on the post game show with us. And boy, he had no problem reciting what his order at Raising Cane's is every time he goes. We, we asked him, Clint asked him, I think, like, okay, so what's, uh, what's your go-to food-wise, Chief? 
And he said, you know, a lot of these guys on the team, the defensive linemen and the rookies, they go to like kind of some fancy places to eat. He said, I drive over to the Raising Canes right by the stadium, get a Caniac combo, add three extra fingers, extra Texas toast and a large Coke. And then he said he sits and eats it in the parking lot so it doesn't get cold. That's commitment. He's got to be careful. He doesn't want a nickname bigger than <laughs> Yes. All right. So Kurt Heinish, I'm with you on that one, John. My first one on stock up, and this goes back to the Texans cutting Andy Janovich, the fullback that they signed in the offseason, seemingly to fill that fullback position. I'm going to go with Troy Hairston, the converted linebacker out of uh, Central Michigan. I think they're going to carry a fullback on this team. And at least initially, it's going to be a fullback that's probably in the building over there. Um, I think Troy Hairston probably brings more to the table on special teams than the uh, Quesenberry full. I think Paul Quesenberry is the fullback Quesenberry um, from Navy. Um, I'm going to go with Hairston just because of the versatility, what he brings on special teams. And, and I also, John, value the opinion of John Harris a lot. And John Harris has been standing on the table for Troy Hairston throughout training camp. So that's my, my stock up. My first stock up is Troy Hairston making the team as the fullback on this squad. He is very physical, and they like that because Lovey Smith talks about it a lot, and the best way to improve your running game is to get more physical, which is one reason I built, rebuilt the guards, and then uh, having a fullback who can kick some serious butt, especially a guy that was a converted linebacker. I agree with you 100% on Hairston. My next one is a guy that I didn't think a whole lot about him when they drafted him, but then when I looked up at training camp, and sometimes they had him running with the ones and with, uh, and that is Austin Deculus, mm. the uh, uh, guard or tackle from LSU. And if they keep a fourth tackle, and I'm guessing they will, they have the two starters and Tunsil and Howard. And then Charlie Heck is the swing tackle. And Charlie Heck has started games his first two years. And with Laramie Tunsil not uh, participating in the offseason program, Heck got a lot of work with the first team, but Deculus, he's physical, and that's the thing they like, as we talked about with these other players. I think he's going to make the team as the fourth offensive tackle. Yeah, I agree with you on Deculus. And, you know, it's funny with Deculus, John, uh, Seth and I had David Anderson in studio not all that long ago, uh, former Texans wide receiver who's started up his own analytics slash body GPS analytics company. You know, he works with a lot of college teams and uh, he worked with the XFL when they were getting launched uh, the last iteration of the XFL. And he's working with this new iteration of the XFL as well and putting, you know, putting uh, GPS and tracking equipment on guys to, to measure certain things. And he, he's been doing it with, with college prospects that are coming out in the draft. And he mentioned Deculus as a guy that they, Austin Deculus was a guy that when they strapped up Austin Deculus with the equipment they used to track certain things that, that tend to map to productive football players, you know, maybe he doesn't have the measurables like the, you know, the arm length and the hand size and the hip movement, all that stuff. But the analytic stuff, the next level stuff um, in terms of just burst and speed and things like that. Um, David Anderson specifically brought up Austin Deculus as a guy that their company had identified as a, as, as for the Texans, a really good pick in the sixth round. So I'm with you. I think Deculus makes a team. My other stock up, and this is the last one we'll do. We're doing four stock up and four stock down is Blake Cashman, who I guess, I don't know if he should be a total shock to, um, to make the team, 
because they did trade a, a pick to get him, although it was a sixth round pick. So we know that Nick Casario kind of throws sixth and seventh round picks like they're like it's tip money at the casino or whatever. Like, here you go. Here's a sixth round pick. Uh, oh, thank you for that complimentary Blake Cashman in return. Um, but Cashman's had a really good camp. Um, he's been real active. He's been around the ball a lot, made a lot of tackles, showed some pretty good athleticism. Um, so I've got, I've got Cashman getting in there as like my fifth or sixth linebacker right now. I think he's, he's, they traded for him. So there was, unless he crashed, yeah. there was no way he wasn't going to make the team. He led him in tackles against the 49ers with six, including five solos. I got a, two bonuses. Let me ask you about these two guys. Sure, I sure. Think, I think they got a good chance to make the team. The first one I think, Sean, is Graylon Arnold from Baylor. Great special teams player. Can play corner or safety. And the extra one is... Isaac Yadam, the fifth-year veteran, great size, 6'1", 189. I'm curious if both those guys will make it at corner and safety because they can play special teams. And in Yadam's case, you know, five-year veteran, that might come in handy. What do you think about those two? I've got them both on my 53 right now. I've had Yadam on my 53 for pretty much all of camp. I have Fabian Moreau on there, the first iteration of my 53, and, and quickly swapped him out for Yadam after being at training camp and watching Yadam play. He'd been around, he, he's or he's he's been around the ball a lot during training camp and he's flashed some good things. I think, you know, you and I were talking about Arnold before we started recording, and we're going, okay, is, are they are they listing him as a safety or a corner? Are they playing him as a safety or a corner? I think that highlights probably a reason why he makes the team. You know, if we're not sure if he's if he's a safety or a corner, it means he's probably adept at playing both of those things. And we know that the big thing that's flashed for Arnold has been special teams play, particularly in that Rams game, I believe it was, where he made some plays on special teams. So I've got both of them. I've got both of them making the team right now. Those are good bonus ones, John, because they are fringe guys. I, I've got them both on my 53 right now. Good. Yes. So we're on we're, we're simpatico on that. I think we're simpatico on all of our stock ups. So We'll see how uh, correct we are with these. All right, let's get to the stock downs because these are juicier, at least the names I have on here, John. I've got some juicy names on here. I'm going to let you start, as always. You've got the honors. Who is your first stock down 53-man roster cut-down edition? Defensive tackle Ross Blacklock, third year, started three games, first two years, second-round pick. He is not produced as a second-round pick should I think this is not going to be a surprise, but they have other defensive tackles like Big Heine, Kurt Heinish, and uh, Eagle, even Michael Dumfor, another guy who was on the practice squad last year. Those guys have made plays. Blacklock hasn't. He was held out of the 49ers game because of an injury, but I think he's gone. I do too. I agree with that. It was super awkward seeing him at the season premiere event on Saturday. <laughs> like you see some of these guys and you go, okay, well, this is probably your last event that you're having as a, uh, as a Houston Texan. That's a good one, John. My first stock down, I think similarly a second round pick from back in 2019, uh, the same way Blacklock was a second round pick in 2020. I think the end of the line has arrived for Max Sharping at left guard. Um, I think Kenyon Green, uh, the drafting of Kenyon Green obviously is a signal that they're looking to upgrade that position Overall, Sharping's had plenty of opportunities over the last couple of years to seize that position the way he did when he was a rookie. His best year was his rookie year in 2019. And for whatever reason, he's just gone downhill since then. Um, I think the team views Justin McCray as a perfectly acceptable veteran option at left guard if they feel like they need to work Kenyon Green in slowly. Um, I think the end of the line is here for uh, a, uh, another another 
second round pick in 2019 because we know the end of the line arrived earlier in the offseason with Lonnie Johnson, the other second round pick in 2019. It's embarrassing if those three second round picks are all gone. And Nick Serio is the one that signed Justin McRae. McRae can also back up at center if they need him to, although I think uh, we didn't list him under surprise, but we should have. Scott Quisenberry played mm-hmm. really well in the preseason when Justin Britt was held out of the games. But I'm with you. Sharping's gone. Sharpling and Blacklock on top of Lonnie Johnson Jr. And we wonder why they're having to undergo a massive rebuild. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, striking out on second round picks like that is almost as damaging as striking out at the back end of the first round. No doubt about it. All right, John, who's your other stock down? Eric Murray. Mm -hmm. Eric Murray. uh, They've got a lot of young safeties. Now, Jalen Petrie's starter. Jonathan Owens is a starter. Two new safeties. Terrence Brooks is going to be in there. If they count Graylin Arnold as a safety, that's four. I could see him keeping six corners and four safeties. If that's the case, then Eric Murray is going to be out of here. Now, they like him. They like Murray. He's made some plays, but he he's you know he Brooks is a third safety, and Murray would be fourth. So I just think there's a good chance that Eric Murray is going to be gone after being here two seasons. Yeah, I do too. Um, I, the only thing that makes me pause on that is that I you know Nick. Casario redid and extended his, his contract by a year, Eric Murray. So he actually would cost the team more to cut than to keep this season. Like he, they cut him. There's $5 million against the cap for Eric Murray. If he stays here, it's four point something against the cap. Um, I just don't think he's got any sort of use on this team anymore. Not, not to the extent that you can plug in a young guy in there to, to take those snaps and maybe develop like a Graylin Arnold or somebody along those lines. Um, I, I, I think, too, John, for a lot of Texan fans, just symbolically, um, what Eric Murray represents is he's the last of the O'Brien Easterby uh, just completely warped, janky contracts that they gave out in the offseason <laughs> of 2021. <laughs> you know, they've, they've, they've got rid of they got rid of the bad contract extensions that they had given out that regime with Nick Martin and Zach Cunningham last year. Um, they uh, they they traded Randall Cobb. Uh, they, um, they, they let Whitney Merciless go last year. Um, Eric Murray is the, probably like the last vestige of that overspending that they did for about a year in 2019 and 2020. And so I think a lot of Texan fans would be happy to see Murray go just, just to not have to look at him anymore. I know that sounds very petty, but it's, it's been a rough couple of years for Texan fans. So I think there's an element of that with Murray. It's hard to find. I was, I was having a hard time finding a last one here for a guy where, boy, I'm kind of surprised this guy got cut or he's a bubble guy. But I guess my other stock down purely based on the fact that Blake Cashman, I think, is going to make this team. They've got a slew of young linebackers. Well, not of young linebackers, but we know they've got veteran linebackers with uh, Christian Kirksey, Kamu Grugier-Hill. Uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis was listed as first string earlier in camp. Um, and we know that Garrett Wallow and Christian Harris are at least going to make the initial 53, and then we'll see if they get put on IR. But they, un- unless they're out for the season, you can't put them on IR in training camp. Um, so I think, I think they're both obviously going to be on the team. Uh, Neville Hewitt, who was a guy they picked up last year uh, from the Jets, who was a tackle machine for the Jets, did some decent things for the Texans last year. I just think it's a numbers game at linebacker, and the other guys – are either um, 
young and developable, or they're just guys with bigger upside. Like I think there's more to Blake Cashman's game than there is to Neville Hewitt's game. Um, and it's just, as I say that, it's like, God, they're importing a lot of linebackers from the Jets. I don't know if this is the formula for success, but whatever. Um, so Neville Hewitt is my other stock down. And he could be, you know, Grugier Hill is still their best playmaker, and they love Christian Kirksey because he's a veteran. And Kevin Pierre-Lewis always the first linebacker off the field in, in, in uh, nickel situations. But I'm curious, Jalen Reeves Mabin, who hmm. has done a really good job at making a lot of plays, and I've talked to people think he's going to be on the team. Hmm. Do they, if they do get rid of Neville Hewitt, do they keep – Jalen Reeves maybe is that extra one and a lot of guys are going to go on the practice squad yeah and uh so it's not like when they're cut it's the end of the world and of course they can be claimed by other teams or they can sign with other teams if they choose not to be here but considering they know the system and they've been through everything through the offseason program you know, probably 14 are going to be from the Texans practice squad. And then Casario might look for a couple of guys from other teams he likes. But the, it is competitive. It's much more competitive now than it was last year when there were so many new faces. And then next year, it's going to be competitive. And I think there will be even fewer changes. And it'll be tougher to make the roster because they're going to be a whole lot better next year. Yeah, more talented for sure uh, this time next year with a, a whole nother draft. And with John Mechie coming back, things like that, as you pointed out, Mechie like being another draft pick next year. So that's four stock up, four stock down. I want to get into the things that we think translate into the regular season that they did in just a second, but I should point out here um, that you and I are going to start doing a mailbag segment on this podcast. Um, and I've got an email address that I set up for people to send in questions that we can use for the mailbag segment. And it's an easy one to remember, but jot it down. If you want to send questions about the Texans or uh, just the NFL in general, um, or movies, or recipes, or um, 90s music, or whatever, uh, but mostly football, please, houmailbag.com. That's houmailbag. Uh, I'm sorry, houmailbag at gmail.com. houmailbag at gmail.com. I've not taken the URL houmailbag.com yet, but houmailbag at gmail.com is where you can send uh, mailbag questions too. All right. As someone who did a mailbag for years at the Chronicle, and I think we need to let people know, are, are you going to take a certain number each week considered the best or the most appropriate? Because I used to get like a hundred and yeah, I would that's try a, to write all of them. They'll take hours to put it together. Yeah, no, of course. There's going to be a limit on the one. So yeah, make them good questions. We're going to take the best ones and, uh, and chop them up on here. Um, so it'll be a lot less typing for you, John. You just got to talk. That's all you got to do. No typing. Um, but yeah, send in, as, send in as many as you want, but we're going to pick the best ones off the top. The ones that make for the best, most compelling listenership. We're trying to build an audience here. By No God. recipes. Yeah, no recipes. I was joking about that. Unless they're good. Um, all right. Uh, so, John, let's get in. I've got a few stats in front of me here. And you can tell me whether or not these are for real. I, you know what? We're going to call this for real or fugazi. Fugazi is Italian for false, fake, counterfeit. So I want you to tell me, John, for real or fugazi, if some of these stats, uh, and for real means that this is something that's indicative of how the Texans are going to look in the regular season. Fugazi means this was just preseason tripe that doesn't mean anything. The defense had 14 sacks in the three games during the preseason. John, for real or fugazi? Fugazi. 
Fugazi. Why is it Fugazi? Yeah. Well, they played against a lot of backup quarterbacks, and they it was a lot of different guys. The 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 most positive thing, Jonathan Grenard, the best pass rusher on the team, he didn't play enough to stockpile sacks like I think he will in regular season. But to have that many, yeah, I just don't see him doing that when they're going against first teamers. I think it'll be improved from last year, especially for somebody like Jerry Hughes emerges opposite Jonathan Grenard. I don't see any interior guys getting a lot of sacks, but I think it was a Fugazi. 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 Fugazi for the defense and the 14 sacks. All right, John, you pointed out earlier, Damian Pierce has been the one of, if not the best players on this team. Certainly offensively, I feel like he had the best preseason because of Damian Pierce's performance in large part because of his 11 carries on 86 yards the offense averaged 4.2 yards per carry which is way above the three point whatever they seem to have averaged for the last three years 4.2 yards per carry john is that stat for real or fugazi how do you say for real in italian i don't know i'll find out it's just you know the, the the alliteration just flows with for real or fugazi I think this is for real. Uh, George Warhop, the offensive line coach at game from Jacksonville, pointed out in his first news conference, all it was all about average per carry. In Jacksonville last year, even with James Robinson missing so much time with injuries and even with Travis Etienne not playing as a rookie, I still think they were like at 4.5 yards of carry. And if the Texans average 4.5 yards of carry, that's going to be a miracle. But I think they have a chance to do that. Their overall running game, I think what we saw in preseason is going to be indicative of what we see in regular season. John, do you think that the backfield room as it's constructed right now, I mean, obviously they're going to cut some guys, um, but uh, I think we know what the top end of it looks like. Damian Pierce, it looks like Marlon Marlon Mack, um, I I think makes this team. He he had a nice 24-yard run against the 49ers in that game. We'll see what happens with Rex Burkhead and Dari Ogumbawale. Do you feel like running back is a position where Nick Casario is going to be more honed in than others on maybe finding some guys on the waiver wire next week? I think what we saw in preseason is for real. And uh, he might bring in one more guy. You know, they love Rex Burkhead. But Rex Burkhead is the third back. He can play special teams. He can catch. Yeah, he runs hard. And, And the thing about Marlon Mack, is he averaged 5.5 yards of carry against 49ers, including that 24-yard run. But even if he didn't, he looked quicker in that game. He looked more sure of himself. His cuts were quicker. And I think that he's as solidified as the backup. And, you know, do you really need a third back off another team? What's he going to do? Right. You know, to me, if you bring in a guy from another team, it would be because he could get some carries and I don't see somebody being available who's going to get some carries. Maybe they'll add a couple people to the practice squad. And I think Gumbawale uh, will get that fourth job over Royce Freeman. And Gumbawale is a really good special teams player. Of course, that figures in every decision made after the starters. And so I think it, uh, the, the backfield, as it's currently constructed, is for real. I do, too. I think 4.2 yards per carry is a very reasonable number for them to go get. All right, so Davis Mills got off to a slow start in the preseason games, but with that touchdown pass at the end of the first half in the second preseason game led to a, a uh, obviously a, a, a 
a little bit better performance against uh, San Francisco in that last preseason game. He finished with two touchdowns and one interception in the preseason. So two to one ratio would be an improvement over la- a market improvement over last year when he threw 16 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. John, does Davis Mills have a better a two to one touchdown to interception ratio or better in 2022? Is this two to one ratio for real or fugazi? For real. Yeah. And uh, he has his last seven drives. He's a three touchdown drives interception in the end zone. He looked a whole lot better. He didn't have Brandon Cooks. He had three starters in the offensive line. And now they'll be back for the Colts and tight end. They didn't have Farrell Brown, although I'm not sold on their tight ends right now. If no. you ask me which position needed to step up and be upgraded, I would say tight end. Now, Brevin Jordan, this time last year, he wasn't doing squat. He came on at the end of the season, but they still need a guy who can help them move the move the pile if, indeed, they're going to improve as a running team, which we believe they are. So I think it's uh, for real. For real. All right, John, and I'm going to do this one just because I want to hear you say Fugazi one more time. The defense allowed only 2.8 yards per rush in the preseason. John, 2.8 yards per rush for this Texans defense. Is that for real or Fugazi? Fugazi. Got <laughs> okay, to <good>. be Fugazi. <laughs> and the be. reason is, even if they could get it 3.5, anything below four would be good. Now, yeah. Is run defense going to be better? You know, against the 49ers, they get averaged 2.1 per carry. Well, that was the 49ers. They weren't running Debo Samuel. And, and, uh, but I think if they could just get it below four, that would be a significant improvement. So what we saw in preseason is a fugazi. Okay. There you go. So we got two for reals and two fugazi. All right. So that, so uh, I think we pretty much nailed this thing down. We got the preseason in the books. And we are um, looking ahead to the uh, the regular season. We, we'll still have a few more podcasts between now and the start of the regular season. We'll drop another one this week, a couple more next week. So hit that mailbag, mailbag at gmail.com and send some stuff in that you want to hear John and I talk about. Should be pretty fun previewing that Colts week one matchup because it won't be the first time that the Texans have played the Colts in week one in their history. So we'll go go back through some of that history of the, the, uh, the Colts rivalry with the Texans. We'll do that next week, but we'll have another podcast dropping a little later on this week. Um, and this one, of course, um, dropping uh, early in the week. So now, now, John, we wait for the regular season and sit and rub a rabbit's foot for Justin Verlander's calf. That's what we're doing for the next two weeks. That was scary when he was pulled after three innings. And then like no runs, you knew something was wrong. And the first thing everybody thought about was his arm. Yeah. You know, missing almost all two years except for one start after Tommy John surgeries. So you wondered forearm, elbow, shoulder, what was it? And then when they said what it was, that is a wheel, everybody's like, a sigh of relief. He maybe misses a start or two. I don't think that'd be all that bad. I mean, they're struggling so bad hitting the ball right now. It's unbelievable how many bad hitters they're putting out there. Alvarez is out. You know, he's got two problems with hands. That's never good. So maybe these guys need to rest. They're playing some really bad teams. It doesn't mean they're going to beat them. But this might be a time to sit let Verlander miss a couple of starts if he needs to. Let Alvarez miss a couple of series if it will help his hands. Because they're going to win the they're going to win the West, and the key is do they get 
home field advantage over the Yankees. They're three and a half ahead. The Yankees, even though they lost today, Sunday, they're still gotten hot again. And so that's the key. If you play a seventh game in the world in the AF in the American League Championship series, you do not want it to be in the Bronx. No. No, you do not. You definitely don't. Are you more worried about Jordan's hand or Verlander's calf? Verlander, because uh, Jordan Alvarez has struggled to hit anything but singles lately because of his hand issues. And but you got to have an ace in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, and Verlander, they, you know, they get to the World Series and losing six last year. Could they have done better with Verlander? kicking butt like he is this year i'm thinking they can so you've got to have your ace pitcher yeah they john they went into the world series with no verlander and no mccullers last year i mean when you think about it it's pretty remarkable they got as far as they did without both of those guys so we'll see you know the i mean not having verlander would suck but you know fromber has kind of turned into an ace this year i you know what john i don't even want to think about verlander his the calf is going to be fine that's what i'm going to tell myself cap is i'm just saying if you had to set him a couple starts, yeah. you can put you can put Javier back in a rotation. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So hit us with questions. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. I'll tweet that out as well. At Sean T. Pendergast on Twitter. John is, of course, at McLean underscore on underscore NFL on Twitter. Um, and uh, and John. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, now, wait yeah. a minute. I got another for Gazy. Oh, you do? Yeah, you said you're going to ask me about Brady being the top 100. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yes, for real or fugazi, John? Fugazi. No <laughs> way, Tom Brady should be number one on the top 100 of the best players in the NFL right now. The guy doesn't even hardly play anymore, and yes, he's the greatest of all, all time, but he is not the best player in the NFL at this point. That is fugazi. I, John, isn't the NFL top 100 overall as an entity kind of? Fugazi. I mean, you were saying it is because I heard years ago when they did it, they tried to get a lot of players and very few contributed. And usually this is not the time to do it. Too much stuff's going on. They used to do it as filler time as they got close to training camp. And right now, who pays any attention? I couldn't tell you who's number two, who's number 50. I wouldn't even know Brady was number one if you hadn't told me. Yeah. I'll admit, John, I'm kind of a mark for the top 100. I love stuff like that, even if it's total. I do, too, when it's worth something and they do a good job. But if you've got how many 2000, well, with practice squads, you have 2,500 players in the NFL and only 100 of them are voting on something. I've never talked to a player who told me he contributed to that. Yeah. And hence, Fugazi. Absolutely. All right. There it is. We are done with this episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. We appreciate all of you listening and downloading and subscribing, especially if you're on one of those outlets that allows you to review it. Give us a five-star review, all that stuff. The audience continues to build here for the Utopia Football Podcast. And as the season gets here, it's going to just get better and better and better. So we appreciate you tuning in. Big thanks to Figgy Fig for doing what he does, getting this podcast out to you guys each and every time. And, uh, and John, good stuff as always. Look forward to talking to you on Wednesday in studio on Sports Radio 610, my friend. Sean, I love doing the Utopia podcast. Thank you very much. For all. all right, good stuff. That's John McClain, the Hall of Famer. I am Sean Pendergast, and we are out of time. We'll see you next time on the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great week, everybody.